Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword. The Afterword is our weekly podcast where we talk about what we didn't get to talk about in the week's message. In this past week, Jay Kim and I spoke on the topic of joy and suffering. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, but to illustrate this point, I wanted to share with you a story that something that happened to me this past week. Loyal listeners will know I was gone last week. I was out on vacation. My family and I went to Zion National Park with some friends of ours. They drove from Chicago. We drove from California. We met in southern Utah. We got the better end of that deal. But I wanted to share with you a couple of things that made that uh, that trip a little bit more difficult for me than it needed to be. First of all, I was hoping for and expecting a vacation, just a relaxing, frou-frou drink by the pool, just light, refreshing, fun time. And camping with a family with 10 people is not it. And camping at 8,100 feet in 95-degree heat is definitely not it. And then in a crowded national park, we have to get up at six in the morning to go on these arduous hikes. That's definitely not relaxing. So I went into this thing like totally not prepared. I don't know what I was thinking. I obviously wasn't. Uh, But one of the days we got up at like six in the morning and we had to go on this hike called the Narrows. And in order to go on this hike, you had to go to these outfitters and get the special gear and equipment. You had to get neoprene socks and you couldn't wear your own socks and you couldn't wear your own shoes. You Well, you could, but they recommended that you get these uh, Adidas all-terrain shoes that have these slits in them that allow water in and allow water out. They're also uh, kind of a curved bottom so that um, – and they have incredible grip because basically what you're going to be doing in this Narrows hike is hiking up a river um, on river rock, on river boulders covered with moss with a – Uh, anywhere between a foot to three and a half feet of water rushing at you from the Virgin River. And you also had to have a big, thick walking stick, not like a walking stick, like a thin ski pole, like a two and a half inch, you know, huge walking stick to add extra balance. The point was, it was an arduous trek. And as I'm finishing up the hike at like 3 p.m. after nine miles round trip, at the mouth of the river where people kind of enter into this hike, I saw two people And they just stood out to me. The first was a guy who was barefoot carrying his Tommy Hilfiger designer shoes in his hand. And he was trying to make it up this river. He's wearing like designer clothes. And I'm thinking to myself, buddy, I could barely make it in the gear I had. The specialty water hiking gear. You are not dressed right. And the other, on the other side of the river, there's this woman wearing a dress and over her shoulder was a, a Fendi bag, like a designer handbag. And I, and again, I wasn't judging in my heart, but I was like, lady, you don't know what this is. This is not, this is not luxury shopping. This is not a mall. This is a canyon. This is a national park that's a difficult hike that you need specialized gear for. The point is... In that moment, I had a deep realization that sometimes in life, I actually expect an easy fun hike when actually, if I were to open my eyes, I would see that it's actually promised that it's actually going to be a difficult journey. This is not luxury shopping. This is a difficult journey. In John 16, 33, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. I don't know why I'm so surprised when trouble hits. But that's what this week's message is. Knowing that trouble will come, how can we live as Christians fully prepared 
to have not only joy in suffering, but joy through suffering. Jay Kim stops by to join me on this conversation and we dive in now. Afterward, everybody, here with Jay Kim. Hey. There it is. Hi. And uh, Jay, this past week was Father's Day, which I thought was going to be a real celebratory kind of uh, weekend where it was going to be filled with joy because yeah. this is joy. But then the topic, I looked at the topic that we <laughs> both were teaching on, and it's joy in suffering. Suffering. So I was like, oh, Jay. Suffer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's suffer together. Okay, so before we get to the topic of joy and suffering, let's talk about the joy of fathering. Now, you're, you're a dad. Yes. You've got two. Uh, they are five and six. Six now. Six, six now. and three. Harper is six and yes. Simon is three. Yeah. Talk about the joy of fathering. What are some of the biggest joys that you have found being a father? Yeah. Because uh, it's a fun age right now. Yeah, it's a fun age. It's a really fun age. Everyone can poop in the potty. Man, that's the best. It's really fantastic. My son still wears a diaper when he sleeps at night. So does mine. But it's <laughs> and he's sixteen. <laughs> um, so do I, actually, and I'm uh, forty-one. Justice no. is going to kill me. He does not wear a diaper. I'm sorry I made that joke, son. I should have made it about myself. I repent. Uh, uh, no, but that is a, a small yet large, very incredible. It's an incredible joy right. to know that I have very likely changed my last diaper. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, months ago this happened. Um, no, I mean, there's so many joys. They're really fun. They, they, I can. I talk to. I mean, Harper. I've talked to her for a long time. But my son, who just well, as of this recording, he's not yet three. He's about to turn three. Right. Um, I can sit down and have conversations with him, and they actually make some slight coherent sense. Mm. And it's an amazing thing, you know? So he and I have this thing now before he goes to bed. It just happened randomly. Before he goes to bed, uh, I'll, we'll we'll do summaries. He knows the word summary. Oh wow! Of like and, the day. You're yeah, and it's a day. yeah, and he just calls it summary. He'll say, "Daddy, can we do summary?" Aww. And then so we'll lay on our bed. You know, Jenny yeah, yeah. and I. He'll yeah, lay yeah. with me, and we'll just face each other. And we'll talk for you know, it's short, like it's two three minutes. But I'll tell him about my day, and then it's like so awesome. He'll just go bit by bit and tell me about his day, and it's really fascinating. To hear the highlights through the lens of a two and a half, so three-year-old. So what does he love? Like he's like, I got oranges. Well, it's always what he ate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? In so, great detail, right. what he ate, like yeah. the meals he ate. It always involves something he built with Legos. Oh man, right? It's sure. All, every day there's at least one thing he built with Legos, and it's whatever he's into. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, it's a lot of. Um, uh, his fights with Harper, his sister. Oh, really? <laughs> He'll tell me about his fights with Harper, which he always instigates. Really? Yeah, she's very gentle with him, and he's like just this rambunctious, sort of aggressive. Yeah, so it's a bunch of stuff like that. And then he'll, you know, it's so fun, man. And and then our daughter, you know, Harper is just, um, she's the best. And with her, uh, I take her out on dates probably twice a month, and I have like legitimate long conversations with her just about life and what she's into. And um, so it's a really fun age yeah. where, uh, where I can actually hang with my kids, which you 
have been able to do for a long time. Yeah. And you were telling me pretty recently, this is a real gift. Like you are not only able to hang out with your kids, um, you all enjoy hanging out yeah. together. And that, yeah. that is a gift. Yeah, no, it's a huge thing. And especially my wife uh, didn't get along with her brother at mm. all. Like they yeah. were always like fighting. Yeah. And so when Justice, Justice like, dad, I'm going to take JL out to get milkshakes. Yeah, Cause so she had awesome. a hard day. Yeah. And, um, does He'll he like, talk? Does he talk like that? Kind of like Charles Barkley? No. <laughs> I don't know why I did that to him. I, yeah, that's just he's like that's what I'm gonna do, Dad. So um, he does that, and yeah. uh, he'll just take her out, and it makes my wife's heart so happy yeah. because they're they're so close. Good. Yeah, and there will be there will be times when I will look, and JL will just be laughing at something her brother's doing, something. Yeah. And he has the ability to make her laugh. And I'm like, oh, I can do this. I'm hilarious. Because I'm the funniest member of the family. <laughs> and I'll make jokes. It's and competitive she will, now. she will look at me like I'm the stupidest person <laughs> in the whole world. I can't make this girl laugh. So she's like, Daddy, you're not funny. You should probably stop. <laughs> but everything that he does, he makes her laugh. So, uh, of course, uh, like what, now we're in the age with, with parenting where it's a lot of conversations about the music they're listening to. Mm. And what their friends are doing. Yeah. So I know way too much about Olivia Rodrigo's internal, like, mental scape. She wrote Driver's License, yeah. right? <laughs> she dropped a big album. It's, yeah. So we have a lot of conversation about it. And then also cool. about their friends, about what their friends are going yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. And so that's a, that's a, it's really, I love it. I yeah. think it's, I, but I've always liked teenagers. I'm, I was a yeah, young pastor, yeah. so. But yeah, total gift to have, Yeah. you know, kids that enjoy each other, yeah. enjoy you guys. Totally. And, who knows how long that'll last? But oh, still, yeah, hopefully for a long time. So, you know, somebody said, and um, somebody said once, I think it was Bill Simmons, who's a yeah. a, a writer yep. or used to be a writer, yep. and now he's a podcaster. podcaster yeah. He called his son his best friend in training because that was the relationship he had uh, with his cool. dad. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are like, "You're the parent, not not the friend," sure. and which is true. Yeah, one hundred percent true. Sure. But there's gonna come where there's gonna come a point where it's it's gonna move out of that parent realm of that yeah. you know it, and it's already done. It's like I'm a coach. Yeah. And um, pretty soon I'll be a consigliere. He'll yeah. just consult me. Yeah. If I still have the relationship, because he'll be a young adult. He'll be yeah. 20, 21, 22. Well, and- whatever you want to call it, the gift of enjoying spending time with each other is you could call it whatever you want, but. I feel like that's a gift that needs to be pursued. I hope that yeah. for, for me and my kids, for, for Jenny sure. and I, that they grow up. They love spending time with us now, but they're six and three. You sure. Know? So they have to they'll contractually. Go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they'll go through the, you know, when they're 12 and 15 mm. and 17, I'm sure they'll go through whatever. But that's my hope. I hope I have that. I hope and pray I have that with them, that right. they grow to, uh, to in- continue to enjoy being with us, you right. know, spending time with us. One of the things that parenting also has taught, I know both of us, is that joy is not the only primary thing that parenting involves. No. There is another <laughs> side of it, sometimes yes. another side of the coin, or that happens exactly at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the pain, the yeah. sacrifice, the suffering, yeah. the heartache, the heartbreak, the fear, the anxiety. Um, you might say that the joy and the suffering go side by side. And that's what this weekend's message was kind of about yeah um have you experienced that in, in parenting that that suffering and joy sometimes can happen at the same time or in the same day or yeah. even simultaneously yeah um uh, what and and what because it feels to me like parenting that's one of the things parenting has taught me yeah 
um, is the the stark relief of that is is in this Father's Day. I was just reflecting on that. What what? How would you how would you describe that to parents that are people are about to be parents? Yeah, like Cody, a countryman or yeah, yeah. pastor just had a just had a um, a second a, a second yeah. child. Yeah. Um, he's now got a boy and a girl. Yeah. Um, which is what you and I have as well. Yeah. So what 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 have you learned about joy and suffering and parenting? Yeah, I mean, I'm a new, you know, my kids are only six and three, so you could probably speak to this a lot more. Just generally speaking, I think that not just parenting, but any meaningful relationship in life, like really, truly meaningful, not just a fun relationship or a good relationship, but like meaningful, deep, rich relationships, um, they involve not a balance, but the coexistence of those two things. They always do. Always, they always involve the coexistence, as paradoxical as that seems, of joy and suffering, or joy and pain, um, or joy and uh, sacrifice. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing that's meaningful comes easy. I just don't think that it's it's like meaningful stuff is diametrically opposed to ease and comfort. Mm. It is meaningful because it's it's achieved or experienced by way of sacrifice and giving of yourself. That is what makes it meaningful. And I think that's absolutely true with parenting. I think it's absolutely true of marriages that are healthy and meaningful. Right. You know, which is one of the reasons why half of marriages in America break down because uh, we think that marriage is actually just based on that. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, based on that spark of emotion. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, the spark is gone. Mm-hmm. So let's end it. You know, well, you can't do that with kids, which is why I think people experience it more deeply when it comes to parenting. Yeah. You know, um, because you sort of have this inherent DNA connection to the child, whereas because people don't take seriously like the biblical covenantal commitment of marriage, we think of marriage just as a civil union. Yeah. So it's or you'll meet my to, needs and it'll be fun and it'll it, be great. Exactly. It's super yeah. selfish. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah, and I think that's a good way to put it too. Is like one of the reasons why parenting is so hard is because it's the opposite of selfish. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, it's it is self giving, yeah. you know, to the core. Right. So. But again, I don't think you have to be a parent to know that. Sure. I think there's lots right. of yeah. experiences in life that teach us that, mm. that meaningful stuff always involves suffering of some kind. Steve Carter recently was here. Yeah. He's, he's a pastor, preacher, author. And he had this sentence, and I, I want to throw it by you and see what you thought about it. He said, in America, the view is that life is 10% Egypt, 10% wilderness, and 80% promised land. <laughs> But That's he said good. in in the Jewish perspective is, or I guess you could even say the Old Testament biblical perspective, mm-hmm. is those numbers are different. It's 10% Egypt, 80% wilderness, and 10% promised land. Yeah. His point that he was trying to make is to expect suffering, to yeah. expect life to not always go easy, easily, that it's difficult. What do you think about that? And what do you think culturally works against us expecting suffering. Yeah. Because it feels, it does feel like a surprise to to me sometimes. And I'm surprised yeah. that I'm surprised. Does right. that make sense? Right. So do you agree with that that, 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 that kind of breakdown of that? And yeah, then- I do agree. I think culturally, uh, you and I talked about this in the teaching this weekend, 
we mentioned it briefly in the first week of the Joy series. We li- we live in a pleasure culture. Mm. In in the modern late modern West, we live in a pleasure culture, meaning our highest pursuit is the pursuit of pleasure. Right. We're looking for pleasure. Hedonism, you know? Mm-hmm. There's that uh, phrase in psychology, um, the hedonic treadmill. We live on the hedonic treadmill. You we're, talked about that in week one of yeah, the Joy series. Yeah, we're running on this treadmill, chasing after pleasure, mm-hmm. and we never, ever arrive. I trademarked that immediately. I'm going to have a new series of treadmills, <laughs> the hedonic treadmill. It. It's never going to end, and it's going to be incredibly painful. <laughs> That's that's beautiful. I love it. I'll buy it. I'll buy it for sure. It's going to compete with Peloton. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely true. And I think Steve is right on the money that the biblical view is is not that. Mm. The biblical view as you and I yeah. touched on this past Sunday, Jesus himself says, "Hey, listen, in this world you're going to have trouble." Yeah. Like he couldn't be more abundantly clear. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's not just that one verse in John 16. It's like throughout the scriptures that Life on planet Earth, as it is currently constituted, um, suffering is a part of it. It's an inevitable, undeniable part of life in a fallen world because we live in the fallout of sin, yeah. brokenness. There's this. So last week I was on vacation. We were at Zion National Park, which yeah. is this gorgeous, gorgeous national park filled with these cliffs. And we got up early this this one morning. To go on a hike that we knew was going to be incredibly strenuous. You had yeah. to get up at 536. You had to beat the dawn. It's in the shadows of the canyon. And basically, you have to get this special gear. You have to get these special neoprene socks. Mm. And you wear them with these special all-terrain Adidas like shoes that yeah. allow water to go in and go out. Because you're hiking through at least a foot, if not three feet, of the rushing Crazy. Virgin River <laughs> yeah. up these rocks and the yeah. and, and the, what you're stepping on, you have to have this giant staff, not like a walking stick, those thin walking sticks. These were like two and a half inch wooden poles because you have to have three points of contact because you're walking over these, these giant kind of mini boulders yeah, and there's wow. rushing water yep. and... We, you had to have water and you had to have snacks because it's a nine it's a nine mile so hike. Crazy, it was yeah. crazy and we're we're there. It was exhilarating and amazing and 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 at the end of it, I'm walking back and I'm just exhausted. Yeah. And I'm walking back and I see two things. The first is this gentleman, and he was carrying his shoes, which were designer shoes, in his hand, <laughs> and he was. Way farther than he should be. He's walking with bare feet. Oh, wow. Trying to make it down this path. And it was very clear that it was it was not going to go well. Oh, no. And the other thing we saw is a woman up to her mid-thighs with her family, loudly complaining, holding a Fendi purse. <laughs> and I think <laughs> she thought this was tourism. Right. She thought, and these both both of these people, these this 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 gentleman and this woman thought that this was tourism, that there was going to be some sort of paved path right, right. that they were going to go. And as I passed them, I was thinking about this message. I was thinking about the idea of suffering. And I was thinking, Dave, this is you. You complain all the time because you thought it was going to be a paved path. Yeah. You thought it was going to be easy. And yet... This is not the promise. The promise is it's going to be difficult and arduous and hard. And if you went into it with that expectation, you could have been more prepared. Right. And you would have been more prepared and you would have been less surprised. Yeah. And there's so, so there's something about the expectations of life. And it does feel as though 
we are told over and over again by everything, yeah. it's going to be easy. It's going to be fun. You shouldn't. Um, not only is suffering to be avoided at all costs, there is no possible benefit to suffering. Right. So that's so that was one of and and I realized, of course, I do the same thing. You know, I do. One of the things that was hardest about this trip was I thought it was going to be a vacation, and it became very clear that camping with your family in the middle of, <laughs> eight, you know, 8,000-foot elevation yeah. and 90-degree heat, 95-degree heat is not going to be all fun and games. Right, and so I right. had to switch my attitude very quickly or I was going to be miserable. Yeah. How do you help people switch their attitude? What have you seen work to help people switch? Because I think we don't want that. We want life to be a vacation. Yeah. How did how what what has helped you? What have you seen help pastorally to oh, switch man. people's so that they don't end up in the river with a Fendi bag? Yeah, right. Or carrying their 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 designer shoes. Yeah, by totally. Yeezy, you know. <laughs> totally, that's a great question. That, I mean, not so practically, more sort of thirty thousand foot view. Um, I think it's important to identify leisure appropriately i think so much of our leisure is meaningless like and and that doesn't help get us where we want to go truly and it doesn't even in the short term do for us what we think it's doing for us so so i think of leisure as it like just fun that i have explain leisure yeah i'm talking about um, again, 30,000 foot. Sure. Through. We, we think that we are meant to work hard five days a week, uh-huh. fill our two day weekend with meaningless leisure. We don't call it meaningless leisure, but that's what we do. We fill it often with meaningless leisure. And I'm talking about like totally detaching, binging on a Netflix show. Not that that's all bad. I, you know, i um, Jenny and I are watching the new Loki show, whatever. Yeah. That's kind of meaningless, but it's fun, you know, and mm-hmm. something we enjoy. Um, but yeah, we fill so much of our free time with meaningless leisure, believing that it prepares us adequately to go about another five days of, you know, just kind of like um, working down to the bone. And then we just kind of get back in the rhythm of another two days of meaningless leisure or whatever. And I actually, I, I think there's a couple of things there th- that's really interesting. We end up getting into a rhythm, I think, of, you know, the phrase working for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> like we essentially live Monday to Friday. We're, we're, we try to survive Monday to Friday to get to the two days. And then those two days we fill with stuff that isn't really uh, this isn't always true like the week you spent in zion national park was obviously incredibly meaningful um but we often fill it with stuff that's meaningless and then we end up we believe because we didn't have a whole lot of strenuous activity that our bodies and our minds and our hearts and souls are ready for another five weeks of grind and that, but I don't think we're ever really truly ready. So what ends up happening is Mm -hmm. we just have a constant flow of struggle and strife that never ends. It's just five days of strife in the form of 
working down to the bone, and then two days of strife running on the hedonic treadmill, there's looking no for pleasure. Rest. There's no real, real rest no or rejuvenation. Rejuvenation, yeah. recharge. Yeah. And in a strange way, um, suffering has a way of excavating all that is meaningless in our lives. It gets us down to the fundamental. In fact, there's this quote wow. I'll read for you. The writer excavating the meaningless. That feels so true. Yeah. Uh, David Brooks in his book, the road to character, he says this, he says, um, uh, where is it? He says that suffering presents the sensation that one is getting closer to the truth. The, and this is so weird. The pleasure in suffering, is that you feel you are getting beneath the superficial and yeah. approaching the fundamental. Yeah. Yeah. And so in some ways... So true. <clears throat> suffering is a way of snapping out of the meaningless, yeah. which we think is like... We don't ever think anything we do is meaningless. You don't ever step in consciously thinking like... Or you rarely step into anything consciously thinking, this is really meaningless, but it's a good good expenditure of my time so i'm going to do it anyways that's very rare we think it's it's helping us in some way but i think most of our time and it's a mindset thing not so much like what we're doing yeah so much of our time is spent spent on stuff that is like void of meaning hmm. and suffering is a way of like unveiling all of that stuff yeah you know like yeah. Uh, again, I'll just Remove use this. the masks. Totally. Yeah. Like, there's stuff in my life right now that I'm like, you know, it's like important to me. The NBA playoffs are important to me. Like, tonight, as we're recording this at least, I'm going to go home and I'm going to watch whoever's playing tonight. I don't know who's playing. Um, and is it Brooklyn and Milwaukee? I think they're yeah, playing tonight. Game six. Okay. So that's a big deal to me. Right. And I'm like all amped. I can't wait. Is Giannis going to go two for 10 from the line again? Whatever. Right. All this stuff. Um, but then when I really, really step back and think about it and the moments that have been most fundamental in my life and I compare how jazzed I am to watch this game or whatever, um, it's like pales in comparison. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I got a call in the middle of the game and my mom was like, hey, Somebody was like, hey, your mom's been taken to the hospital because whatever, she fell or she's ill or whatever. I mean, people have had this experience. Like the thing that was so like important to you all of a sudden becomes Not nothing. Yeah. It's like it's absolutely nothing. Yeah. And those realities exist all over the place. And often suffering is the path that takes us there. Yeah. To, to realizing and opening ourselves up to to the things that truly matter so man that's really interesting one of the things we didn't get to talk about in in this message very much was some, some an aspect of biblical suffering and I was, I was trying to make a list of all the multiple categories of biblical suffering uh and there's quite a few and and each one's probably its own message or even sermon series right there's you suffer because of the consequences of your own sin yeah. you con you suffer because of the consequences of other people's sin, yep. you know, with injustice and oppression, yep. you consequent you suffer because of the consequences of sin done near you. Yeah, that's the the kind of defiling presence. You, you, you could people suffer because of judgment from God Himself. Yeah, right. Yeah. He and uh, we just did this whole course in my seminary on Ezekiel. This is the judgment of God. You suffer because Yahweh or G God God is testing 
um, someone mm-hmm. to see if there can be loyal covenant bearing uh, partners with mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And uh, people suffer, Jesus says, because of the persecution for their faithfulness mm-hmm. to God. Uh, and, but there's this other aspect of suffering, and it's the benefit of it. That somehow suffering has a benefit to grow our character yeah. because in it we become more like Jesus. Right. Um, it's suffering as the way of Jesus leading to Jesus. Yeah. And that is something that we, we really didn't get into very yeah. much. But the idea of suffering as a training ground, it reminds me of that moment in Acts 9 when, when Paul is blinded and he has to, God puts him in a big timeout and says, go and think about what you've done. Right. You know? And there's this moment where Paul is like, well, how could Jesus be the Messiah? He was killed. You know, right, he was right. killed. So, and yet he goes back and as a good Jewish person, as a, a scholar, he would have gone to Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53 and been like, this is the suffering servant, the one yeah. who bears the, the wounds. And so there's a sense. And then later on, Paul says, I identify with Christ and I, de- and I expect suffering because I'm trying to be like Jesus. Yeah. Like, there's a sense in which suffering somehow makes us more like Jesus. That's one aspect of this that I don't think that we think about very much, that somehow yeah. this is growing us yeah. in, into into more mature people. Yeah. Is that, is how, how do we think about that better? Or how, yeah. like what, what kind of thoughts or advice do you have on that? Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess the first thought that comes to mind is maybe a thought experiment. Mm-hmm. When you think about your pr- most preferable future, what do you think about? My guess is it's probably a bunch of ideas or thoughts or hopes or dreams or imagery about good things, positive things. Right. I hope to achieve. I hope to have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you look forward, what... Like positively, the life you see for yourself, it's probably all, you know, filled with, I want to have X, Y, and Z. Seven Lamborghinis, each one different color each day of the week. Yeah. Absolutely. But then if I were to ask to anyone who's lived any sort of significant, maybe not like a seven-year-old, but an adult, you or me, like if I were to ask you, Dave, now instead of looking forward, look back, look back on your life. And tell me about all of the moments, not that you hope to experience, but all the moments you have experienced, which have actually most formed you in the best of ways. Not all your vices, not all your brokenness, but in the best of ways, in in the ways that you're like, man, I'm so glad God's done this work in me and, and made me into this person. And look back and think about the moments and experiences in your life that have been most formative Mm. to getting you to that place. My guess is that they're not filled with the things that fill your imagination about the future, the stuff you like to have, the stuff you like to achieve. You know what I mean? It's all the tough. It's all the pain. It's all the the suffering. The stuff that you went through because there's joy on the other side. Yeah, it's and, the stuff that the forms trivial you. gets stripped away. My character got refined and reformed. Yeah. And I learned something deeply painful that was somehow also healing yeah. as Jesus entered in and used that that thing yeah. to help. Those are every single example I can think of. Yeah, exactly. And I think we – I'm not saying we shouldn't celebrate the highlights. Sure. We should. You know, you, you've done a lot of things in your life. 
that are highlights that we should look back on and celebrate. Wow, Dave, like God did these things through you. That's amazing. Very few people get to do those things. But when we ask the question, Dave, let's talk about you, who you are, not what you've done, but who you are Mm -hmm. and who you're continuing to become and why that is or the things God has used to form you into the person you are and are becoming, those things are not your achievements. Yeah. They're very rarely the things you would put on your highlight reel or your social media. They're not the vacations you took or the books you wrote or the places you spoke. They're actually the things that are like most painful. It's stuff with like your biological parents and it's emotional stuff you went through, um, through tough seasons of loss and brokenness and how God brought you through those things. That's true for me. Yeah. It's true for everybody. Yeah. The things that most form us into the people God yeah. calls us to be are always the hardest, most painful things. And yet when we look forward in terms of like what we hope for, we're always hoping for the highlights, yeah. the stuff we can put on our Instagram account. Mm-hmm. When, when history tells us that stuff is not the stuff that's going to form us, It's just going to be stuff to celebrate, gifts to receive from God's abundant blessing. But in terms of the stuff that's going to continue making us into the men and women God's called us to be, it's all of the pain and the hurt that we can't even foresee right now. Right. But we know it's coming. Jesus says, Mm -hmm. you will have trouble in this life. Or he says, uh, you will grieve for a little while, but then you Mm -hmm. will rejoice. Like I think that's a part of what he's talking about. It's like, no, it's like the pain. It's It's the stuff that's really hard. That forms us so that, you know, I, 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 I find it most helpful to look back that way and ask that question. How has God formed me? What experiences has he used? And then it puts suffering and pain in perspective. It's like, okay, I'm going to go through probably more loss, more suffering, more pain in the years to come. But I also know that those things are the things that are going to most form me. It's going to be hard. But God's going to use those things to yeah. shape me into the person he's, you know, called me to be. Yeah. It also reminds me of, of two things that we talked, we touched on that, I, again, probably deserve their own sermon series. And that's the comfort of God. Yeah. That, that God comforts us both with his, his church and also with his presence. And um, that God always directs us toward hope. That yeah. He is going to set things right, yes. ultimately. Yeah. And those two things in concert... Really help, and, and and even on this Father's Day, I remember thinking um, my my buddy once went to a therapist, and his counselor said, "Hey, talk about a time when your dad comforted you." And his dad was very, he was a military guy, you know, kind of emotionally absent, great provider. And he just started listing all the ways his dad provided, and the counselor said, "No, no, 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 not provided, comforted." Mm. And he realized he had never been comforted. There have been some hard things. Yeah. And so this was, and then the therapist said, this is an opportunity for you to comfort your own children as Mm. they go through difficult things. Because this is the role of parents to comfort, to bring comfort, to be with, to lie next to, to hold the hand, you know, those kinds of things. And then also to point toward the future hope, right? That this, this is bad and it's, nobody would wish this. Yeah. But God is with us now, and he will set things right. Yeah. Um, and he's working, and he can bring beautiful things out of brokenness. Yeah. And as a parent, as I, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to launch my kids. I've only got like 94 weeks left with Justice right. before he goes. Crazy. I mean, I have this marble jar. Yeah, yeah. 
and I've only got 94 marbles left in this marble jar. Yeah. And that's that's till he goes off to college. And Crazy. if I can comfort him during the tough times and direct him toward Jesus, who is the future hope, yep. who will put things back together no matter how broken they are and is always up to something, always up to something, then those two things can be a way for me to help launch my my kids. Yes. Um, not through suffering, because I don't think you get through it, but like enable them to endure that with with hope mm-hmm. and with joy, mm-hmm. because they're tied. Yeah, and hope and joy are, are, are tied. Yeah, that's right. And that's and that's and again that perspective, that backwards perspective, I think is really helpful because it's it's just so true. Yeah, it's just so true. Yeah. But we nobody wishes that. Nobody thinks that way. Yeah, I mean, and nor should we wish for it. Yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm not right. saying sure. like you know. Like you, like oh, I can't wait to suffer again. I mean, <laughs> but the, when it happens, yeah, when it happens, you know that right. um, that's the stuff that that once you're through it, you'll look back on it yeah. and realize, man, that's the stuff God used. Yeah, most. You know? Well, there's probably so much more to say on suffering, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pause on that. But yeah. thanks for. Thanks for your thoughts on that. And next week, what are we talking about? We're talking about joy and comparison. Oh yes, and comparison. David Kim and Liz Diddy. Yeah. And that's comparison is a thief of joy. That's yes. for sure. Maybe the thief of Maybe. joy in our age. Yeah. For many people, at least, social media. Totally. And you just we scroll our way through these comparison sure. vortexes and end right. up feeling like complete losers. You know and. Yeah. And because we're we're sort of comparing our regular ordinary lives to the highlights, the glossy highlights of everyone else. Right. And then they're doing the same thing. That's yeah. what's really sad. We're yeah. all just, you know. So, yeah, should Great. be good. Should be real fun. Super encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Well, thanks, thanks, Jay, for stopping by. And uh, we'll see you next week. Just want to thank Jay Kim for stopping by. Join us next week for week three of our sermon series on joy, where we'll talk about the thief of joy comparison and how we can get past that enemy of joy. We'll talk to you soon. See you next week.